Welcome to this edition of Back to Basics with Pastor Brian Broderson. It's by faith that we embrace the forgiveness and the cleansing of Jesus, and it's by faith that we draw near, that we take that access that's now available to us right into the very presence of God. Now listen, the devil does not want you availing yourself of this access. Today on Back to Basics, Pastor Brian continues his study in the book of Hebrews. Join us as Pastor Brian begins his teaching on Hebrews, chapter 10, verses 19 through 25, in a message titled, Draw Near, Hold Fast, Stir Up. Now, here's Pastor Brian. So we're picking up in the 10th chapter of Hebrews once again today, and we come to verse 19 today. We're going to be looking at verses 19 through 25 here together. And as we've been making our way through this epistle, you'll remember that the author, his emphasis has been on the supremacy of Christ or the the greatness of Jesus over over everything that has preceded him. And he's uh, spent the majority of the letter explaining this very thing to his readers, that Jesus is greater than the prophets. He's greater than the priest. He's greater than the sacrifices that were made. He's, he's even said that he's, he's greater than angels. He's made it clear to us that Jesus is none other than God the Son. He's, the, he's equal with the Father. And he's emphasizing this in order to prevent these suffering Christians from turning away from Jesus because of the difficulties that they're facing. So he's, he's exhorting them to that end, warning them really not to turn back to the old system, uh, which he says would be eternally disastrous. And so as we come to these verses now, picking up in verse 19, going through verse 25, he first of all summarizes all that Jesus accomplished through his death on the cross, and then he calls his readers, he calls us to a threefold response. And so that's what we're going to consider. Let me read to you verses 19 through 25. Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he consecrated for us through the veil that is his flesh, And having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. And so 
if you remember, all the way back in the fourth chapter, that's where he first, or even earlier than that, actually, in the third chapter, he, he makes a, a reference to Jesus as the high priest of our profession. And then from that point forward, he develops this whole thing of, of the priesthood of Christ. And there at the end of the fourth chapter, he says, because we have such a great high priest, let us come boldly uh, before the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. And so all the way from three right up to the 18th verse, what he's showing us primarily is that we have this mediator, the Son of God, who gives us now full, complete, and direct access into God's presence. And, and because we have this kind of access that nobody else had prior to the establishing of the new covenant, as, as great as the Old Testament patriarchs were and the, the saints and the servants of God, they did not have the kind of access to the very throne of grace that we have today. And so it's because of this that we are to now, as he says, let us draw near. That's where he starts. So he's laid all of the groundwork by reminding us of all that Jesus has done and what we have through him. And now he's calling us to respond to that. And so, as I said, he's calling us to a threefold response. The first being in verse 22, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith. So since we have this great high priest, since the, the way has been made, uh, into the holiest of all, where God's very presence dwelt symbolically in the temple, but now the, the reality. Since we can go directly to God, he's saying, let us do that. Let us draw near with a true heart or a sincere heart in full assurance of faith. All that God did through Christ was with the objective of giving us total access to himself. That, that's what he was aiming for. That's what he's accomplished. And so he's inviting us now. This is the amazing thing. If you think about it, God is inviting you. God is inviting me. God is inviting all people to come in and have communion with him. He's inviting us to come and enjoy this personal relationship and to have the assurance that we are uh, safe and secure and loved in his very presence. And so we are to draw near. God is calling us to draw near. The Old Testament, everybody had to keep a distance because of the sin issue. Jesus has taken sin out of the way. So now we can draw near to God. You can draw near to God. Think about that, how amazing that is, that Every one of us, no matter who we are, no, no matter how we're perceived by others or how we even perceive ourselves, we might see ourselves as completely insignificant. Who would want me in that kind of a sense? You know, who would give me any special privilege or honor? Well, God has done that. He's invited us all 
to draw near to him. And so we are to draw near, he says, with a true heart in full assurance of faith. We're to draw near by faith. We're, we're to believe that this access to God is real. And then we are to act upon that belief by taking advantage of it. Now, he mentions here again, he mentions having been sprinkled, our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. And what he's really referring to here is simply that our sins have been forgiven and cleansed. And so we have to have faith in that as we draw near to God. Because, you know, if I don't believe that, I'm going to be vulnerable and susceptible to the enemy's lies, and I'm going to draw back instead of draw near. If I'm not confident that my sins are forgiven, if I'm not confident that I'm cleansed, then that's, that's going to cause me to draw back from intimacy with the Lord rather than press into intimacy with the Lord. So it's by faith that we embrace the forgiveness and the cleansing of Jesus. And it's by faith that we draw near, that we take that access that's now available to us right into that holy place, right into the very presence of God. Now listen, the devil, who's real, does not want you availing yourself of this access. So when you seek to go there, the enemy comes along with a suggestion, oh, you can't do that. You're not worthy. You're too sinful. You're filthy. You're unclean. These kinds of accusations that he will bring against us. But what he's telling us here is that we're to draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith. You see, this is where faith rejects those lies of Satan and just presses right through that. All of us probably know this to some extent. Some of you might not be aware of what has actually been happening. But all of us know this experience where we seek to go to God and instantly our minds are flooded with all the reasons why we can't do that. And they're usually accusations pointed back at us, you know, our failures and unworthiness and all of those kinds of things. How do I overcome that? How do I keep from being kept out of God's presence by those things? It's by faith. It's by faith in the blood of Jesus, knowing that I've been forgiven, knowing that I've been cleansed, so now I can come boldly, having boldness to enter the holiest. It's by the blood of Jesus. And so let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith. Now, what does it look like to draw near? What, what is that for us experientially to draw near? Well, there's three things that I want to touch on that I think are ways in which we draw near to God. Number one, we draw near to him in praise. As we, with a sincere heart, praise God, as we sing to him, as we lift our voices with thanksgiving, and as we express gratitude toward him through praise, whether we're just you know, verbally expressing it in simply talking to God, or if we're singing to him, 
it's through that that we're drawing near to God. And you see, there's something that we have to understand that when we draw near to God, as James tells us, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. As we draw near to God, there's something that happens to us. It's like Moses back in the book of Exodus. We have the story there of how Moses went up to the top of the mountain and there he was for 40 days and 40 nights. He was in the presence of the Lord. And then Moses came down the mountain and even though he didn't realize it, the people saw that the face of Moses was shining brightly. You see, it was his being in the presence of God that left the imprint of the glory of God upon him. And here's the truth. When we spend time in God's presence through praise, when we give ourselves to worshiping him and to expressing our praise and our thanksgiving to him, when we just take the time to do that, that has an impact on us. We are being uh, transformed through that. Paul, in writing to the Corinthians, spoke about this transformation that takes place from glory to glory. As we behold, as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord, so we are being transformed from glory to glory. So as I draw near to God in praise, as I take the time to come with a sincere heart, whether it's congregationally, collectively, like we're doing today, or if it's just privately within the, the privacy of my own home, my own room, my own office, or wherever I might be privately, as I just draw near in praise and in worship, there's something powerful that's taking place. And that's what God has invited us into. So praise is one way. Prayer is another. Prayer is another. And we, we come to God in prayer. Now, this is a great thing to me, and I think you would probably agree. You know, it's a great thing that we can pray anytime, any place. There's no preferred posture. There's no time of the day that's better than any other time of the day. You know, we can pray anytime, any place, and that's a wonderful thing. But I think sometimes because we have that kind of access, sometimes we miss out on more focused and dedicated times of prayer. You know, sometimes for me, I'll go like a whole week where it's just a bunch of bullet prayers, you know, all throughout the week. I just, you know, bullet prayer here, bullet prayer there. I'm going here. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. I'm praying as I'm going, but I'm, you know, I'm not really stopping to pause and to really meditate as I'm praying because I don't have time. I'm busy. But I find for myself that I need those times when I need to just really focus a little more. I need to stop. And I need to pray more intentionally. I need to pray in a more focused fashion. And that's a way of drawing near to God as well. And so we come to God and we pray about things. And I'm, I'm thinking here too of praying for ourselves. Now, some people think, you know, praying for yourself is selfish. I've had people say to me, you know, I never pray for myself. That's so selfish. I don't, you know, I want to waste God's time by praying for myself. Well, I pray for myself a lot because I know better than anybody else how much I need prayer. So that's the virtue of praying for yourself. You know you really need prayer. And you know the things that you need prayer for. But it's a, it's a good thing, and it's part of this drawing near to where we just take the time. You know, and it, it could be 10 minutes. It could be 20 minutes. It could be an hour if you have an hour. Whatever, you know, the timing 
of it or the, the duration of the time isn't so important. It's just the fact that we can at, at times just focus in and concentrate. That's drawing near to God as I come to him personally and I, I'm just seeking to meet with him face to face. But then there's also intercession. There's also coming to God and praying for others and praying for things. But it's in these ways and others that we do what we're being exhorted to do here. This is how we draw near to God. So when we come together collectively like we are today, and we have our worship team up here, as we call them, and we're singing songs, let's not forget that this is a, an opportunity to really enter in. It's an opportunity to draw near. Sometimes we just almost think of this time as sort of a warm-up time for the sermon that's coming. But it's, it's every bit as much a time of engaging with the Lord if we intentionally do that. I know sometimes people are... And, you know, I do this sometimes myself, too. I, you know, I hear, I hear a certain song, and I go, oh, I don't like that song. And it's like, well, you know, the song really isn't for you in the first place, so don't worry about it. <laughs> you know, I think that. Sometimes I think, I, you know, God, I don't like that song those people wrote for you. You know? <laughs> what do you think? And I sometimes feel like the Lord saying, well, you know, I like it. <laughs> so don't worry about it. <laughs> Just shut up and... You know, think about me. But we, you know, we get hung up on all these little things. I don't like the song. I don't like the drums. I don't like the guitar. I don't like this, that. You know, we, instead of drawing near, instead of worshiping God, we're just sitting here criticizing everything. No, we have an opportunity to draw near through these things. And, you know, if you don't like to sing, that's okay. Just, you can just quietly think about the words that are being said. But most of the songs that we sing are, are scripturally based. You can just think about those truths. But that's what he's talking about here. Drawing near. Drawing near to God. Of course, under the Old Testament, they went through the whole elaborate thing. And then there was the priest that had to intercede because there was only so far that the average person could go. But the point here is that we can go all the way into the Holy of Holies. Jesus, through his flesh, he made access for us. So let us draw near. Secondly, he says in verse 23, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope. Now remember, here in the context, these people this was their big temptation. Their big temptation was to loosen their grip. Their big temptation was to let the difficulties that they were facing, it was to let these things blow them off course. And so when he says that we are to hold fast, you have the picture of, of holding tightly to something. So it's not going to slip out of your hands. But you also there with that word is sometimes used. You have the picture of, of holding the course. So as the captain of the ship would have to hold the rudder at a certain point because of the winds that were there seeking to drive the ship off of course, the captain had to hold tightly to the rudder to keep the ship on course. So there are these winds that blow through our lives that are designed 
to try to blow us off course. And he's saying, hold fast. Hold fast that confession. There's the, there's the wind of ridicule. There's the wind of deprivation. There's the wind of persecution. And these things come along. You know, we're living in a time where it's more and more the case where there's lots of ridicule coming to people for their faith in Jesus. And where, you know, maybe in the past people, you know, made a little bit of funny or whatever, or just kind of ignored you or whatever. Now there's a little more aggression in the culture today. There's a little more mockery in those things. And of course, none of us like that. We don't like to be mocked. We don't like to be ridiculed. We don't like to be made fun of. And because that happens, there's a temptation to loosen our grip a little bit. There's a temptation to just veer from the course a little bit so we, we get freed up from that. But he's saying, no, hold fast to your confession. You see, that's what was happening to them. As I pointed out before, for them... Going back to the old system, which was a religious system, remember, and it was the system that God had worked through, but going back to that meant security. It meant life would get so much easier. It meant that they would be back on good terms with their family and their neighbor, and that's what the big attraction was. Here they are. They're believing in the Messiah, and everything is kind of falling apart around them. They don't have a permanent place to worship. They don't have a temple. They don't have a visible priesthood and all of this pomp and all of this ritual. They don't have any of that. Now they're just meeting in little houses here and there. And the leaders of the churches are being persecuted and they're being put in jail and those kinds of things are going on. And so for them, you could see how there would just be a temptation just to compromise, just to blend in. I don't, you know, I'll just be quiet. I won't say anything. It was that ridicule that was tempting them to loosen their grip. Or in in their case, especially as we'll read next time, there was deprivation. They lost their homes. They lost their belongings. They lost their position, some of them. And he mentions it later on in the 10th chapter. Those were the things that happened to them. And of course, again, when these things happen, there's suddenly that thought like, well, you know, I don't like this. Maybe I need to pull back a little bit. Maybe I need to just tone it down. Maybe I just, you know, I, I, I shouldn't tell anybody I'm, I'm a Christian. I don't want anybody to know. I'm, I'm not going to talk about spiritual things anymore because it's just resulting in this kind of a thing. That's the temptation that comes our way. And sometimes, as again was the case with them, there's outright persecution. And all of these things are intentionally designed by the enemy of our souls to get us to not hold fast to our confession, but to loosen our grip. But notice what it says. It says, hold fast our confession of hope without wavering for he who called you is faithful. God is faithful and he's going to see you through it. He's going to bring you through it. And there's, there's a blessing that's coming. We have to remember that the circumstances that we find ourselves in today will not go on forever. We're living in a Christ rejecting world. We're living in a Christ rejecting culture. We're living in a time when there's 
building opposition to the gospel and the person of Jesus. For the month of February, Back to Basics Radio is offering a book titled Gentle and Lowly, The Heart of Christ for Sinners and Sufferers by Dane Ortland. Isolation, distance, and conflict during these trying times have caused countless people to feel lonely and depressed. But for the Christian, the friendship of Jesus reaches even our deepest loneliness, and we can allow darkness and despair to drive us directly to Him. And when we come to Him, Jesus is able to match our every need with His mercies because He moves towards us with compassion. If you or someone you know needs to know the heart of God, you need to get this month's resource from Back to Basics. The book Gentle and Lowly, The Heart of Christ for Sinners and Sufferers by Dane Ortland is our gift to say thank you for your donation to Back to Basics. So we encourage you to call us right now at 1-800-733-6443 or visit us online at backtobasicsradio.com. We'd also like to remind you that all of our other resources are waiting for you at backtobasicsradio.com or by calling our request line at 1-800-733-6443. That's 1-800-733-6443. Our desire is to encourage you in your daily walk with God. We'll continue tomorrow with more valuable insights from Pastor Brian as we study together in the book of Hebrews. Back to Basics is the preaching and teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California.